I thought maybe just we'd spend a little while tonight, just a short time, around uh, the book of the Revelation, chapter number 2, if you would please, the book of the Revelation, chapter number 2. And uh, I trust you'll join me there, and I'd kind of like to preach a message uh, to uh, upbraid, encourage, strengthen our church in the day in which we live. There is just all kinds of philosophies and doctrine and teaching and uh, information is so, so at hand. You can Google anything except how to fix my lawnmower. And uh, the reason it can't be fixed is Josh worked on it and he's backslid it and it it just wants to run all the time now. But with, with, the, with the age of information, if we, don't, if we do not teach our young folks and are not instructed ourselves about the church, its purpose, and so forth and so on, it, it'd be real easy to get sidetracked. Uh, there are just all kinds of philosophies and all, all kinds of teachings going on. And uh, I just... Uh, I, I'm just going to stick with the old stuff. That's all right for you. It's worked all these many years, and I don't need to upgrade anything. I just need to keep on trying to upgrade me to fit the pattern. So I thought I'd talk to you tonight about the church that would not, did not, will not surrender. Is that all right? <clears throat> I'm not going to jump on anybody tonight. I'm just going to preach, and then we'll go home. I, have I eaten yet, honey? I haven't had The Chinese food, that don't last long. <laughs> kind of like a friend of mine used to say, I don't like roots. <laughs> All right. Verse 8, we'll begin. We'll read verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. And I want to talk to you for just a bit tonight <clears throat> about the church would not surrender. When I see Miss Whitney sing and I see our young folk, I see Hannah, uh, I am so jealous. I've always wanted to play uh, that instrument. And if I could play it, you can bet I'd have put a little bit more boogie-woogie in that song she sung. (laughs) So that's probably the reason God does not allow me to play that instrument because I've always wanted to play one of those, but somebody told me I had to be full of hot air to play one, so that disqualified me. Where'd Hannah go? Oh, there she is. (laughs) Honey, that was good. That was great. And I'm deathly jealous because I can't blow that horn and I can't ride a horse. So I guess I'll just stick to preaching. And somebody said, I I think you ought to ride horses. The Bible said unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead, and is alive. And there's no doubt who that is. Amen. That's the Lord Jesus. And if your Bible has got red writing indicative of our Lord speaking, uh, it should be read in your Bible because Jesus is the one that's doing the speaking. He said a very fright, frightening thing. I know thy works. And tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. 
You're broke financially, but you're rich spiritually. Uh, that's good, isn't it? Money's not everything. But it's about the only place, heaven's about the only place you can go without it. I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The church that would not surrender. I don't know if you know it this evening or not, but the church is at war. Drive by and see the dark buildings this evening. Look about you and try to find a church service on Sunday evening. You'd be more distraught trying to find one on Wednesday evening. And if you found one, you'd be distraught trying to find them preaching the Word of God. And then you'd have to question which word are they preaching. The church tonight is at war. We talk much about politics I believe that the devil not only is affecting our spiritual ideology, but our political ideology. Every facet of society, everything that would suck us down the tube, if you please, to become worthless and nomadic. Anything to separate us from our home, our family, our friends, anything to sever, I believe the devil is hot on our trail. I believe he's destroying homes tonight. I believe he's destroying churches tonight. We are told of that sly, shifty one in 1 Peter chapter 5. And 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 8 is a unique description of our enemy. Tonight, I am not worried about the Democratic Party. Tonight, my concern is not communism. It is not socialism. Tonight, my concern is a philosophy, a theology, not hatched in Washington, but mothered in the pits of hell and propagated by Satan himself and all the thousands of fallen imps that fell with him of heaven. That's who we're fighting tonight. We're not fighting one another. We're not to kill our wounded. We are to hold them up. And we are to fight and be faithful to our fight. I want to talk to you tonight for just a moment about the church that would not surrender. Notice chapter 5, 1 Peter, verse 8. 
The Bible identifies our enemy tonight. And the Bible said, be sober, be vigilant, because your what? Adversary. My adversary tonight is not the Clintons. If you spend a lot less time studying the Clintons and a whole lot more time studying your adversary, you'd be a lot better off. And we would be a lot better off in America, if you please. Because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may maul just a little bit, skin just a little bit, scratch up just a little bit, and then turn him loose and let him go free. That's what we act like he is. We laugh about him. We kid about him. Wonder why our homes have fallen apart. Wonder why we're mean and mad at everybody in the world. Your adversary, the devil, is roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. They walk in my office. Well, I don't love him anymore. I just can't hardly stand it when he touches me. Another home devoured. But I don't think you ought to be so strict on teenagers. I don't think you ought to tell them who they can date and where they can go and how long they can stay. They'll be in my office soon. The devil's not interested in just scratching you up, kids. The devil's interested in destroying and devouring you. One trip to a back seat of an automobile. One joint, one line, one beer, one party. Mama, Daddy don't know. The devil does. And he's out to ruin you and devour you. Don't hear much of that anymore, do you? That's why we got so many dead beats in our college campuses. Wanting another free ride at everybody else's expense. I can't imagine anybody griping about having to pay a loan back when they're the one that asked for it. It's like smokers suing camel because he had a hump in his back. I got a lot of guys when I was young I needed to sue because they give me a good whooping. I thought I could whip them. But I couldn't. So I think I got to get the name and sue them for personal injury or an overabundant amount of stupidity on my part. Let's go on. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Huh? You can't vote your way out of the devil's deal. Fox can't help you with the devil. Only thing you can whip the devil with is faith. Resist steadfast what? In the faith. 
Don't just put down there, resist him, and he'll flee. You resist him in what? The faith. Amen. Well, this is not going to be very good, I can tell already. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect or mature, establish you, strengthen, settle you. Is that good or what? That's better than snuff, not near as dusty. Amen? The church that would not surrender. Let me give you just three or four things that is a constant temptation in my life as a pastor. I've been doing this for 50 years. Would you say there's been a slight change in church philosophy and in church methodology, in family structure, would you say that there has been a change in 50 years? Would you say that there has been temptations in our lives to maybe sway just a little bit with the world? Come on now, be... Now, if we've come so far, uh, what's to keep us from going the rest of the way? Now, they come into our church, and they notice we got these huge screens and hymn books. How stupid that is. To have hymn books when we could flash it on the wall, and nobody would have to find a page number. How stupid that is. How absolutely appalling that is. Why, preacher, do we still have hymn books and don't flash the music on the wall? Well, what would you want next? What, what else could we do to make it more convenient to you to worship? How about get some folks up here that couldn't sing harmony with a jug in their mouth and let them worship for you and all you got to do is just wave at us. Well, now being just waving is inconvenient too, so... Maybe we need to take a wave out. The first temptation to every church is compromise. Makes no difference where you come from, where you're going, where you've been, how long you stayed. Every church that I know has been tempted to compromise. I guess I could compromise on the screens. And then there'd be something else. That now I, There's nothing wrong putting it on the screen. Just where are we going with it? 
Now, nothing wrong with not singing out of hymn books, but where does it stop? Compromise usually starts in a church with music. Usually. It starts in the cab of your automobile. And the beat overrides the lyrics. That's where it starts. It don't stop there. If you got new music, you'll probably need a new Bible. And if you get a new Bible, you'll probably get a few new doctrines. We're not going to surrender. If it's okay with you, we're just going to stick with the old stuff. We're not going to dim the new stuff and we're not going to preach against it because it's too much Bible to preach. But I do warn you, Compromise begins very slow. And the trail to backsliding is extremely slick. It's thrown at you every day through the internet, the television, the news, friends, acquaintance, and family. Our first temptation is to compromise. That means lowering our standards. Amen? I have noticed over these many years that when the kids are small, the parents are so separated and dogmatic about standards. The kids get 12, 13. They begin to let up just a dab. They get to be 16 and 17. Then they really loosen up a dab. You say, not me. Well, I'm glad of that. I'm just saying I've observed over these years that we are tempted to lower our standards. That's compromise. A second temptation is complacency. After we've been in church for a while, it's easy to settle down. The place you sit smells like you. You've got your own pot. Parking place, anybody gets in it, you get angry. And you just settle in. You see, I've been around long enough to remember when you folks used to go soul winning. You see, I remember when folks used to get run out of Walmart parking lot for soul winning. Now, I can remember I get calls on a regular basis. Who put them stinking tracks in our bathrooms? 
I said, did you read it? <laughs> but see, uh, we, we're mature now. And we don't care if little bus kids go to hell. We're mature. We're going to church. Is there a possibility that in the day in which we live, the bills are being paid, the lights are on, the, telev- the air conditioning's working, that we become complacent, Amen. satisfied, comfortable? God knows, I hope not. Somebody say, well, I'm old. Ain't nobody older than me. Not even dirt. Do you see that temptation on us? Do you see it? Do you see it settling, settling in a little bit? Do you see parents loosening up as the kids get older and begins to think for themselves? Uh, have we begun to allow our kids to go where we wouldn't let them go when they were younger? Oh, they got a cell phone now. Do you watch over it? Do you monitor it? You better be careful. I see kids so small they can't even lift their cell phone. (laughs) Kicking one down the street because they can't lift it. How foolish that is. Let them go out in the yard and play. Let them eat some dirt. Throw rocks through the neighbor's windows. Let them be creative. Dear God, don't give them a cell phone. That's, that's crazy. Well, I just want them to be safe. I can understand that. The third temptation is complaining. I don't like what's going on. Talking to others instead of talking to the Lord about it. Amen. Well, I thought Andrew was going to preach tonight. I wish I hadn't have come. Well, that's probably why this is no good, because you've got the spirit messed up. Complacent. Compromise. Complaining. We all, I've seen that over these years. It really bothers me anymore when people complain. Because I read one time, woe when all men speak good of you. Let's go on. Then there's that little old word, conjecture. We just... Well, would you like my idea of what's going on? No. Guessing what's happening around Joshua Baptist Church. Someone said the other day, and they were complimenting me. They said, I saw that picture, that great big animal you killed. Now, what I didn't put on that paper is I run that sucker down on foot and cut his throat with my knife. (laughs) And this lady, I love her dearly, she said, you were so humble about it. You haven't said one thing about it. Well, I'm ashamed how many times I missed it. (laughs) The only way I killed that thing is I just shot it random and he run into it. Conjecture. We just kind of guess of what's going on. We complain of what's going on. We lower our standards. We complain. And lastly, condemnation, condemning others. 
when we ought to be praying for others. Cutting people's legs out from under them when we ought to be lifting them up and helping them along the way. Maybe they don't agree with us and maybe our doctrine don't agree with them especially. But I want a church that's kind and gracious and generous and loving like Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I don't know where I picked this up. But I'd like for our church to be staunch doctrinally. Staunch, straight as a railroad tie. But a heart as large as a watermelon. Sweet to those who drop by and taste and see that the Lord is good. Is anybody listening tonight? Oh, how we need. How we need in these days in which we live. Is to realize there are some things we will not surrender. Notice, if you would, let's examine the text in verse 8. And we'll notice the instructions of our Lord to this church in Smyrna. He says, first of all, I require something. First of all, in verse number 8, notice he says, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things, which saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. He said, I know thy works, and I know thy tribulation, and I know your poverty. But really, in reality, spiritually you're rich. And I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of seven of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. But here it is. Be thou faithful unto death. Now, when I got saved, I could not sing. When I got saved, I was a thumb-sucking introvert. When I got saved, I was so bashful, I'd have to slip up on a mirror to comb my hair. And that's a God's truth. I'd never been able to do anything right except get in jail, get in trouble. So when I got saved, I was the biggest loser that you could ever imagine. I failed college because I wouldn't get in front of 20-some folk and give a book report oral. I was so bashful and withdrawn, I would not even do that. And I walked out of college without my degree because of the introverted person that I was. And I got saved. I couldn't speak. I wasn't rich. I was not talented. But there was one thing I could do. One thing I could do. I could be faithful. And for 50 years... I've been faithful. And because I've been faithful, 
God has added other. things that I could not do because I was faithful with the little that he gave me years ago. Faithfulness. God requires faithfulness. Be thou faithful. I missed church last Sunday night. My wife is here and she's writing all this down. She's probably not Honey, what's that say? You need to pick up flour at home and bread? Oh, okay. <laughs> we missed service last Sunday evening because we were with Dave and Sandy at the hospital. And I moaned and groaned half the week because I felt so bad because I had missed service. Faithful. God says, be thou faithful unto death. Look at verse 9 and notice the situation and the circumstances they face. Verse 9 says, I know thy works. I know you're in tribulation, but be faithful anyhow. Now I know you're so broke you need a cosigner to to pay cash, but be faithful anyhow. I know you are living in trouble sometimes, and I know you are living and facing poverty and persecution. But be faithful anyhow. I know you're facing persecution from the heathen, and boy, we have the heathen around us. They lost an election lately. And they're running up down the streets now. They don't know why they're protesting and what it's going to accomplish. Just somebody's paying them to do it, and that way they can loot and tear up everything that everybody's worked hard to do. Bunch of educated deadbeats wanting something else free. You say, that don't sound compassionate. God told us to be truthful, too. Isn't that right? I couldn't get in the driveway tonight because an ambulance was in the driveway. And I walked up to the ambulance and asked the lady, can we help? Can we do anything? She said, no, this guy was sitting on the curb here, so he called 911. We came and picked him up. Go and take him over to your hospital, Craig, so you guys can spend thousands of dollars checking him out. When he gets through, he'll look at you and say, can you call me a cab so I can get home? You said, don't work. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. They'll go through thousands of dollars just to get a cab, free cab from the hospital when they can walk the mile to get home. You said, that don't work, asked Craig. Fellow with downtown. It was a mile to where he had to go. So he just called 911. He sent the ambulance by, took him to Southwest Harris. Spent thousands of dollars on testing him. When they got through, they said, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You can go home. He said, well, call me a cab. They have to call him a cab. Have to pay the cab. You say, man, that's a messed up system. Oh, 
You just figured that out. Now that wasn't hatched in Washington. The devil, our adversary, is working hard at destroying this country and our churches from the inside out. You understand that? I said, you understand that? So there's just some things we're not going to give on. There's just some things we're not going to compromise with. Amen? There's just some things we're going to quit uh, being complacent about. Notice, persecution from the, her- from the heathen, persecution from the heretics. I know the blasphemy of them that say they're Jews. Now, you could put there Baptists, if you'd like. Bunch of folk run around saying they're Baptists. Let me help you something. You can be a Baptist by practice and not a Baptist by doctrine. A lot of folk practicing baptism that have no idea what it stands for. Just because they got a Baptist on their name does not mean they're Baptist at all. Amen. Baptists believe the Bible. Baptists stand for the Bible. Baptists preach the word. Baptists are soul winners. Baptists cares about people dying and going to hell. Baptists cares about poverty in the land. And so I just help you a little bit tonight. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. God requires faithfulness. Now notice the challenge they received, if you would please. And here's the challenge. Be faithful. Be faithful. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. And I finished my course. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. And not me only, but all of them who love my appearing. God means for us to be faithful. And you can see that that's waning away just a little bit in the Baptist camp. Can you say amen? Faithful, we must be faithful to the fight. And the fight is with the devil, not with one another. Amen. Me and Ginger have once in a while has a disagreement. But it's a disagreement by faith. Amen. I have faith that she's wrong. <laughs> and we're not only to be faithful to the faith, we're to faithful to the fight. And then we need to be faithful to the finish. Amen. So I'm 50. Going on 78. And I'm more excited about serving the Lord. Building the church. Winning people to Christ. And building a foundation for these young folk. And raising some champions for the glory of God. Like the young lady who sang sang this evening. I was so thrilled to realize the lady who sang tonight is a graduate from the Joshua Christian Academy. She's also a graduate of Arlington Baptist College. 
a Christian young lady raised through our youth departments, gone through our school, attending our church. We need champions for Christ. Amen. Amen. And I look around at young people who've been raised in this church. I've always said this is a good place to raise kids. It's a good place to raise kids. You may not agree with the old man's uh, staunch ways and separated ways. You may not agree with all that, but it works. It works. Notice, faithfulness is what God rewards. Not only what God requires, but faithfulness. God does not hold us accountable for what we cannot do. You understand that? I wish I could build a huge, huge, huge church. But I don't guess I'll ever be able to build a huge, huge church. But I can be faithful for what God has given me. Hmm? Amen? He said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. They are forewarned. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Forewarned, folks. Nobody ever told us that Christianity would be a rose garden without thorns. Nobody ever promised us there would not be sickness. And yes, even death. Nobody ever promised us there'd be no hardships, difficulties. Wouldn't it be something if you married somebody that didn't want to argue? And wouldn't argue. Just always taking care of your ever, ever need. Like ginger. For a while, I didn't know heaven would be boring, Brother Marshall. But dear God, I'd hate to have somebody who thought I was right all the time. I married somebody who didn't think I was right any of the time. I think there ought to be a compromise there a little bit. But they were forewarned. God knows what we're going to go through. God knows all about everybody in the hospital this evening. And God knows which string to pull to get your bell to ring. God knows how to get the vilest, meanest man in the world on his knees. You say he don't read the Bible. No, but he can read providence. He can read the machines in the hospital rooms. He can taste the food down at the jailhouse. He can feel the loneliness because his wife just walked out. He can feel a pain 
from an adulterous situation. God knows. You understand that? God knows. He not only requires us to be faithful. He rewards those that are faithful. There's no way in the world I deserve anything that God has done for me over these years. I was just reading some notes I wrote down years and years ago. Remembering those days in school and seminary with four little kids and three of them in diapers. Work all night. You go to school every day. Broke, always broke. I'm talking about desperately broke. Car tore up all the time. I never got anywhere with clean hands. Always greasy from working on a car. Graduate from college in tattered suits and shoes so embarrassing that you squat when you walk across the stage so that the gown would hide the shoes that your feet is coming out of. He said, I know your poverty. And I know your tribulation. Churches fighting, arguing, holding their offerings to starve me out because I didn't agree and bow down to their every little whim. Persecute my kids behind the church when nobody's looking, nobody's listening, say mean, ugly, dirty things to my kids. I know thy tribulation. But you're not allowed to quit. You're not allowed to hang your head and Walk off like a pup with his tail between his legs because somebody hurt your feelings. If you'll be faithful till death, he said, I'll reward you. The church that would not compromise. The church that will not surrender is the church that is full of people who will not compromise and surrender. To all of God's people said, they must remain faithful. I will give thee a crown of life, he said. I'm closing, I'm done. Not a crown filled with dead, dry jewels, but a living crown. A crown of what? Life. Life with all its Potential life with all of its possibilities. Life with all of its opportunities. Life, bless your heart. Life full of service and life.
full of blessings and life full of people and life full of faces and smiles. I'll give you a crown of life if you just be faithful until death. You understand that? I said, you understand that? Anybody can quit. It takes no talent to quit. All it takes to quit is a quitter. A loser. A has-been. A used-to-wasser. But if you'll be faithful, and if we'll be faithful, God will bless this thing. And all of God's people said, Notice this phrase. And he that overcometh, watch this, I'm done. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now that's not a threat. That's a promise. There's a lot of difference in that, right? If Ginger says to me, I'm cooking dinner for you tonight when we get home. But if I was you, I wouldn't eat it. That's a threat. Or she could say, I'm cooking dinner for you tonight when you get home, and you better eat it. That's a promise. And all of God's people said, I'd like to pastor a church that will not surrender. Will not compromise, not be complacent, and not be conjectured, but also not complaining. Just serving Jesus until he comes.